You are now listening to Out of the Blank. Josias, we're rolling, and let me tell you something. Arab Ballo. Yes. That is a name pronouncer. Now, did you get kind of looked at by teachers in a way when they try to pronounce your name? Oh my gosh, dude. I was that kid where uh, even before teachers, especially when it was first day of school or substitute teachers, I'd be that guy like, that's me. Like even before you butcher it. I don't know. I guess as a kid, I wasn't comfortable with my name because it was, it kind of made me stand out. And I wasn't as a kid, I was a shy kid. I was like, I want as least, you know, attention on me as possible. So it's just here. So uh, yeah, everyone butchered my name all the time. See, I, I can relate because my name is Robert Robertson, but I go by Robbie. And as soon as a teacher reads it off a piece of paper, she sounds like it sounds like it's a disease. She's like Robert Robertson. I'm like, Did you just <laughs> say it like it was something of Ebola of some sorts. <laughs> it always made the class look like, why would your parents name you two names? I'm like, I don't know. You want to know my middle name too? Is like, is it Robert? No, it's Jeff. Thanks, Dick. And it's like, <laughs> you kind of have to work with it. Like I developed the thing, like name so nice, you say it twice. So now that, that's like kind of like a little bit of a comeback. Shout out to Madagascar for that little liner. But I, I dig on that actually, dude. It, you got to work with what you got. So tell me a little bit about what you do professionally, Josias. Yeah, of course, Rory. Uh, okay, so my normal day-to-day job or work gig, Monday through Friday office job, is I work for a foreclosure company. I've been doing it about, geez, going on 14 years. I think this November is going to be 14 years. So to see it, and I, I can't mention exactly where I work at. I can give you details of what I do. But um, yeah, I mean, let's it's talk just, about that because that seems like a very difficult job. The de- I mean, what do you have to do? Like, you're foreclosing on places. So you're basically telling them, like, you don't have enough money to pay something, right? Sadly, yeah, dude. That that's what it is. Like, uh, I've seen every aspect, and I deal strictly with the foreclosure portion of it. So we see the back end when you are losing your house, like all that back end. Like, okay, you're out of your house. Your house went into default. Uh, your house got taken from you. We are auctioning off your property that by this point is not your property anymore. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's what I do. I, honestly, I always tell everyone I'm the bearer of bad news. How is that hit on your psyche, dude? Imagine you're literally taking something away, not you personally, but you're seeing like they, people hold you accountable. You're that guy that they can blame, they can point to, they can, that you're, it's in front of them basically. You know what I mean? How hard is it to see like just in a house that used to be filled with so many belongings being taken away and kind of just going down to the original default, like you were saying? That's a great question because you know what? When I first started, um, geez, about 2006, 2007 was right before the economic uh, breakdown for the most part and, and everyone losing their properties and everyone getting screwed on fucked up deals um, by their agents. Uh, so I've seen every aspect of what I do and I, I get it in a weird way. Like there are several steps that have to happen and legally at our company, the steps we have to do to make sure everything you know, legally goes down in each state. And one of the steps is, uh, is literally taking pictures of the property and taking pictures of, of the address and everything. And, uh, you know, get further back and we get a full picture of the address and the home, the property. We see a lot of uh, homes where there are fancy escalates in the driveway. 
So you kind of see where the money went, if that makes sense. Like, I don't, I'm not going to put anyone up the last, but like everyone knows someone like that where it's like they're living beyond their means type of deal. Yeah, they start spending more than what they have. Exactly. I think a lot of people get obsessed with the idea that like a bunch of their friends get nice ass cars and they think they deserve a treat. You know, daddy deserves a little treat. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so to see those ones, it's like, it doesn't really emotionally or mentally fuck me up. Like, okay, we're, you know, like we see where the money has gone from, but no, it sounded like you had a question. I go for it. Well, it's like, even when they freaking say something to you, like, Hey, like, you know, why are you taking this away from me? Like you see the, you see the car you just bought out in the driveway. Yeah. You didn't pay your house bills. You didn't think that was more important. Like, so you, yeah, you understand. Right. And they're like, yeah, I guess so. I, I did. I definitely put my priorities in the wrong spots. Like, all right, then you understand. But how hard yeah. is it for you to get like a mother that's barely surviving and then to get that type of thing? It's got to play an emotional toll on you a little bit. You know what, dude? I, I grew up with some good moral standards. So, and a good moral compass. So when I started off, it's like, okay, shit, this sucks. And then during the, again, 2008 is when it happened, the, the whole economic and everyone getting screwed over and bad loans and refinance your house and we're going to give you all this money, but I'm going to deposit the money into my bank account and just, just disappear off the face of the planet. We were one of those people, dude, like um, living at home at the time. And we, our agent, you know, we were trying to purchase a home and our agent was an asshole. He was a shady dude. And he kind of just disappeared with all this money. So, and then to know that it wasn't just us, like a lot of people got screwed over and on bad deals and those agents completely fell off the face of the planet so it's like i know both sides you know and, and i can empathize emphasize empathize for sympathize for more more people in, in the situations that happened to us at that time well, uh, but again you gotta see the flip-flop go ahead it's really really weird because like talking to you like you're such a you seem like such like a happy go fellow. And it's like a lot of people would consider like stereotypical putting you in a category of the type of people that work in a mortician's office. Like you just <laughs> love death. You just you love being around the sadness and you feed off of it. But that's not you at all. You have such a positive vibe to you and such a, a comedic vibe to you, which I understand it's, leads in a little bit to more what you do in your, your uh, podcast and stuff. But like just talking about like – People say, well, how can you be around dead bodies if you're a mortician all the time and be comfortable around that? And I always chalk it up to the same reason why there's two types of people, I think, in the world. There's people that can be around during the daytime and function around other people, and there's people that don't function around other people. I like being up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I like being up at 2 o'clock in the morning, whether it's podcasting with people from Australia or doing things of this sort, mostly because I like being up at that time. There's no cars on the road. Everyone's asleep. And you literally have a sense of connection with the earth around you. Literally, the city goes silent. I yeah. like that because I feel a lot of times people are becoming a little bit too, you know, hard to deal with. And when I mean hard to deal with, it's not my job to deal with them, but it becomes a job going out to the grocery store when everyone is just ignoring each other. And it's such a negative energy. It's very, very hard to kind of keep your own positive energy in those times. I completely agree with you, dude. Like, um, I try to tell people and like, even my friends and family, like if we go out to dinner and it's like, you always got to talk to everyone. Like I'm one of those guys where I, I was in a bad place a long time ago. And that Josiah is still in there, but it's like, he's night and day now. Like I, we, I was a terrible person and I was in a terrible place at the time. So to get myself out of this fucked up hole, literally by myself and 
Uh, granted, it you know it was it was bad. You, I can talk about it on my podcast, but we'll talk about that some other time. Um, and then just knowing like we can't treat people as, as terrible as we do. The world we're living in right now, especially today in today's society, dude. All people need is just a little hello, thank you. And I talk to everyone in whatever job field they do. You clean my table. Thank you. Like custodial workers at the office. Like, thank you. Like, no, talk to everyone. Like everyone matters because honestly, everyone does fucking matter. You know? So I feel you on that aspect. Like it's, it's, no one has that. I don't know. That lack of a the connection. That's pretty much what it is. We yeah. don't, we don't, we're not connected anymore on the basis of the fact that we just want to be comfortable and only set out for our own goals. And even half those times we don't even achieve our own goals because it might be too hard. It might be out of the comfort zone. You know, I, I, I see it's really hard because I went through that and I, I've just kind of awakened to it when I started podcasting and the more people I talk to, the more experiences it all focuses down on society and things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have people I looked up to. I have people I structured by that shouldn't have been structured by. I think we all give unrealistic expectations to somebody to structure our life on. We can truly have to just take the reins for ourselves. Now, you do a comic podcast. Tell me a little I, bit about your podcast, like the name and uh, what it's about. Okay, cool. Uh, second, I actually guess this is the third gig because I have a second job. I work bar barista for a movie theater out here. I live in Orange County, California. And uh, so that's Wait. my second job. How, yeah, go ahead, man. How often have you has your movie theater had a bar to it? Because ours, we just got a new movie theater and it just got a bar in it. And you think that would be the <laughs> worst thing to have in a movie theater? Someone getting drunk and yelling at the TV screen like we don't hear that enough. I swear, dude, it, it's it sucks. And it, sometimes it's cool because you know I get people who need a beer. Like I'm, I'm having a beer as I'm chatting with you, but you know I like to chill and I feel like okay, cool. Let's have a comfortable conversation. So, um, but you're right. When it comes to a movie, I think that the worst things are when we show UFC fights or boxing matches. It's like people sneak in their own stuff and it's like, okay, damn it. You've been out here like five times and we cap you, legit cap you. And you can't tell, but I'm raising my hand right now because I'm one of the people (laughs) that brings the dollar store candy into the movie theater. Exactly. I still do it and I fucking work there, dude. You can't pay <laughs> eight bucks for snow caps. Fuck you. <laughs> Everybody at that point. Oh, yeah, I swear, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Small popcorn for like fucking eight bucks. It's like, no, I don't know if I want to do this. The best yeah. trick I ever got was from my grandfather. When I used to eat snow caps, that bitch was gone in 10 minutes when the movie started. Before the movie started, <laughs> we're not even through the freaking opening parts where they're telling you to shut off your cell phone. No, <laughs> what happened was he told me, get Juji fruits or Swedish fish. I said, why? And then after like halfway through the movie, I was barely a quarter into the box. I ended up taking them home and that bitch lasted me three days. He said, you be picking them suckers out of your teeth. He goes, that's a yeah. treat that lasts all night. I'm like, I love it. That's good advice, dude. That's hilarious, man. Yeah, that's the second gig. And my third gig is, is my passion project. Uh, I, I work a lot. So that's just me in a nutshell. Anyways, I like to work. And uh, I don't want to say workaholic, but by this point in life, it's like, I try to be creative and everything I've learned in life. It's like, let's give more that's, in a different weird way. A, that that's not, yeah. It's not even being a workaholic. That's having a drive. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it is. You know what? That's funny. You mentioned that. Cause that's honestly what it is. dude. It's one of those things in, in the world you, you can't teach people or youngsters anymore. You can't teach someone like, this is what drive is. This is what passion is. You know, like you can't teach someone heart. 
and you know, I used to wrestle in high school. So to learn those things in wrestling, like it's okay to lose, it's okay to learn, you know, to fail. It's okay to learn, like, what are you going to do with this adversity? You're going to pick yourself up. You're going to hit the mat again. You're going to keep at it, you know? So, um, yeah, you're right though, that drive and you can't teach that you can't teach heart to kids. And I was instilled in that a long time ago. So just the passion to try something. And the third job is really cool and really fun, really therapeutic, honestly. And I think uh, I, I connect with a lot of people and make them feel like, okay, this is fun or funny, hopefully something like that to that effect. But uh, that is the comic syndicate podcast. So what's, what do you focus on? What do you enjoy most? I would say do you enjoy the stories in the, in the actual comics or do you enjoy the art? Cause I feel like it, mine swings back and forth. Sometimes I like a comic for the story, even though it's got a really shitty illustration. And sometimes I really enjoy an illustration. You know what? As a younger kid, I think it was just a kid not knowing what writing is. So I was grew up in the nineties. So that's when Jim Lee and Chris Claremont, you know, that boom X-Men in the nineties, mid nineties, 94. Uh, I was that kid that, Ooh, that looks pretty. Like this art's amazing. Look at the way Gambit's getting drawn. Look at the way Wolverine's getting drawn. Now I have more of an appreciation because now I'm able to flex this muscle that I didn't have back then as a kid is I, I'm a semi writer. So I appreciate writing a lot more. Now, yeah. what types of form of writing do you do? You write actual like literature, poetry, or do you focus on like maybe writing your own comic books? You know what, dude? I don't want to say I, I would kind of, I have a few ideas I would like to do for a comic, but it's not something, anything, anytime soon. Honestly, uh, kids' books, dude. I love kids, and my nephews and nieces have been a, a great anchor for me in my life. And I, I don't have any kids of my own, so I appreciate kids. And I really want to just write something for kids that, that can encompass the whole, you're not alone. You can be creative. You can create stuff. You can do cool things. But, like, you need the ambition, and you need to find that spark in your life. So uh, writing a kid's book and, or trying to write a kid's book, uh, writing some movie scripts, one horror, one like uh, not Lost Boys, uh, Stand By Me type of story. So I got a lot of just writing projects I'm working on top of the podcast. And that's a lot of work in did itself you, alone. Did you have, I mean, coffee's probably your best friend, but do you <laughs> feel like at times, like do you, do you have to think and actually set yourself down to create something or do you find that it just comes to you in the moment and you need to find a pen as soon as possible? Like I have a giant influence, like I'm going to admit, and I get a lot of shit for it if I ever tell anybody about it. I do write poetry on the concept of sometimes I'll be randomly with my window open hearing a nice soft rain and I'll just have a bunch of words start going into my head that I feel like I need to express out in a way. You know, a lot of people look at like, I don't like reading. I mean, I'm really good at it. I only like reading the Percy Jackson series and like it's cool to read comic books and stuff. But I I, I, I can write. I'm, my handwriting is not the best, but I, I can write and I can talk. I can do things of this sort that I, I can, I use to best of my ability. You know, I have to talk to my dad's best friend, practically my uncle literally says like, he's a broadcaster for baseball games. Like he does. Oh, the, awesome. You're going up to the pit. Like does that whole. Awesome. The and, count like, is three and one. Yeah. yeah. And he's, he's talks about like how he has a way of expressing w with words 
And he can't even have a conversation with his dad because his dad is not a talker. His dad's a writer. His dad's wrote eight published books like that. I've all been like bestsellers and shit, which I don't understand the New York bestseller thing. I feel like every book's a New York bestseller, but I've read (laughs) some of his books and they're really powerful and motivating. And he said he would read his dad's books and look at his dad and be like, why can't you say this? And it's, it's different for each one. An artist has a different tool for each craft that they choose to follow. Yeah, that's a great point. Now, um, in that instance, like it comes down to that's a whole different thing you, you got to look at from a third person point of view. It's a beautiful story, but it's a fucked up story for who was it? Your your dad compared to your grandpa or, or your yeah, uncle? It's my my dad's uh, my dad's friend who's practically my uncle, and then it's his father. Okay. So it's him and his dad. Okay, that's uh, just unresolved. Like, I don't want to say daddy issues, and then it's not breaking down them, but like the that the dude can write so well, but that he's so bad with a uh, intimate connection with someone. You should his dad needs just can't talk more. to anybody. His dad's like they they go to the bars, they'll drink together, they'll go to baseball games together, they'll do everything like a family, like a good father and son would do. But his dad's just not a talker. You just look at him, he just stares there. He's just like, yeah. It gives you like one word responses, but when he starts writing his, his word, like you're like, you're like, it's like if someone was mute and they express themselves in a different outlet, found a different thing of way of maybe they're, you know, a lot of people think mute people don't have thoughts. They do. Okay. They just can't express them. They have something that's blocking them from being able to speak them. If you put, um, if you had the ability to read someone's mind and you try to read a mute's mind, I guarantee you, they'll be talking like some neil degrasse tyson or something like holy shit yeah. i didn't know you could yeah. do that mm-hmm. you know you chalk them up to being stupid because they don't know how to express themselves either it's a mental disability or something but like i it really changes my mind when i look at kids that can get so addicted to their phone and i mean i'm only 21 but i've been humbled in so many ways to knowing of what i have and what i've how hard i've had to work to get it and just like podcasting with more and more people from all over the globe it, you get a sense of experience and i found out to truly be knowledgeable you have to understand more to understand more i have to talk to these people i have to fight the other side but also understand their side you know what i mean it's all about just communicating again which i feel like a lot of people lose and that was a way of his dad to communicate to him through books, showing him a story, a tale that he could read that he'd find interesting. And he reads it. He's like, wow, you have such powerful words. How come I never hear you speak? I hear that. I'm like, that'll tug on your fucking heartstrings like Leo DiCaprio going down in the Titanic. You're right. That I mean, no, it's a beautiful story, but it's also like at least he has some sort of legacy that his son can can check out and read. But like it's it's weird too because like you said that social dynamic aspect though like the people that need to hear it the most sometimes and whether if okay and let's look at it this way and this is going to sound fucked up too you're right technology uh phones tablets computers just everything in general technology in general is killing our lack of social skills now let's use the social skills that we should have someone that needs it like your kid you know, like, and I'm guilty of it. Thank God I don't have a kid because I don't, I don't want to be ever that guy or that person where I don't have enough time for someone that needs all of my time, if that makes sense. You know? Well, it's sad. The fact that when you talk about having kids, people chalk it up to the same thing. It's an 18 year debt. So you start getting the payoff. I'm like, 
that's really, really a shitty way of thinking about having kids. It, it really is. I mean, it's a fucking typical joke, right? I mean, it, it really is. It's. I mean, it's, it's so true, but it's like it is. Though. It's like it's like saying something like you're not supposed to say like that would be rude if you called someone fat in public. Like you're not supposed to outlie that. And now that's not even a thing anymore. I remember my mom at a dinner slapped the shit out of me because I called someone fat when I was a little kid, and I didn't understand what that meant. I learned exactly. not to say that in public. My little cousin will literally be like, "Oh my god, disgusting!" And like the girl will hear him, and I'm like, "Did you just fucking say that?" Did you just do that? Do I have to slap you right now? Like my parents would pull over the car and beat my ass and on the street in front of everybody. Yeah. There's a point where you start to have no more censor and that no more censor is what's harmful to the world today. The problem is people censor the things that don't need to be censored. Yeah. We're living in a weird world. And first of all, before I go into this weird and and honestly, I'm it, I can cuss, right? Because I've dropped like so many F-bombs already. Cussed like 20 times. All right, dope. Dude, this is probably going to be the most you're going to have to edit if you do. Uh, but, Robbie, first of all, huge compliment to you, dude. I've listened to a few of your podcasts. Just, I mean, we've been chatting probably not even the past week. And I'm like, okay. And trying to figure out the structure of your show. And honestly, dude, you don't sound 21, dude. The way you, you talk, the way you carry yourself. I thought you were my age, dude. Look. I am 80 years old inside. <laughs> I'm Morgan Freeman. I am a, I am You're a an old soul. I see people say that to me and I'm like, please don't give me that compliment. Cause it's going to go to my young side where my ego gets inflated. And I think I can start buying a bunch of shit. I don't need like an, a freaking boudet for my toilet, even though no, I dude. love that. <laughs> yeah, awesome. But no dude, honestly, that's a true compliment because honestly, I'm almost the, anti that like i'm 38 years old i put in work and i'm still putting in work and uh the world we're living in is where i was gonna go and it's honestly and i hate to sound like get off my lawn guy but i fucking swear i fucking hate millennials i do well wait so how old are you exactly i'm 38 dude okay you're literally at the millennial cutoff i literally am at the cusp because if you don't know what a what an index card is then hey i know what an index card is (laughs) i wouldn't have had a high school diploma if it wasn't for parts in wikipedia yeah no internet at all and uh everything was considered cheating if you had a calculator we had to write out math problems uh, on freehand dude so so yeah um but no, dude. Look, like I know what it's like to get an indentation on your finger from a pencil. Okay, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> that soft into the society. No, and that's again the compliment to you, dude. Like this is dope, man. All right, man. Uh, you lead it, man. I'm following your your ship, man. You you steer this where you want. You go ahead, dude. It's conversation. There's no. I like. I always try to highlight the people when they say thank you for letting me be on like that episode, your episode. I was like, it's our episode. It's our podcast. I technically yeah. own it. I technically started it, but it's all of ours. It's something we can all connect to because there's already too much stuff that has to be owned, has to be do all this. I don't want to do that. It's all of ours. It's all a piece of us. Each episode is unique, like the beautiful and wonderful people that come onto my show. It's, it's it, even I said it right there, my show. It's our show. It's a place for all of us to feel comfortable. It's fit for everyone. And you know what, dude, Robbie, mad props, dude. And we're going to have a conversation because I'm a talker. And once you get me talking like, okay, again, I talk to everyone and just give me a good conversation piece. And I will talk 
to anyone about anything. Like nothing is off limits. And if there are kids, I try not to cuss, but like the inner Josias in me is like, you know what? Fuck it. They're going to hear it sometime. That's a weird and, thing too. Why do you have to censor cuss words? I think once you start li- looking at cuss words, like I, like I cuss all the time every day. And like my grandma was like, I was listening to one of your episodes and uh, you use a lot of language. I'm like, yeah, I cuss in my everyday life. Just because I don't cuss at your house doesn't mean I don't cuss in everyday life. Like I'm not like I'm a good guy, but I cuss. I don't see anything wrong with it. The fact is, it's a good stress reliever, like a minor stress it, it, reliever. It kind of is. Like, it kind of a lot, a lot of people don't realize it, but and those are the most creative people. Like I found articles where if you cuss a lot, it's because there's this weird creativity in you. Um, I'll find that article. I'll see if I can shoot it out to you. But um, no, dude. So that's pretty much what I do as well. And uh, homie, dude, we we got to chat because the Comic Syndicate podcast that I do started just you know on a whim of just comic lover pop culture. Essentially, is what that one is. Oh, I got and then stories for you on that too, man. I'll be more than happy to be a guest if you ever need one. Oh, oh dude. Yeah. Okay. We'll trip out on this stone. So this off of this podcast now i've been up for six years now i've interviewed a lot of cool people uh, recently i think i got the impractical jokers at san diego comic con i got the cast of cobra kai if anyone watches that old school listeners if you guys know cobra Johnny kai karate. yeah dude <laughs> so um I, I get to meet a lot of dope people and i get to you know get into comic con san diego comic con the mecca for free just to interview cool people and do and see cool things it's a lot of work, though. People don't understand. And when I, they listen to my podcast, it, they're always baby steps into the world of pop culture more than anything. But once that started, I started another podcast, still on the same, I'm not even going to call it a network, but on my same feed of once you subscribe to the Comic Syndicate podcast. This is going to sound like a terrible commercial. I'm in iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere you guys can find podcasts. I'm at For the Villain on Twitter at Comic Syndicate. One, uh, uh, I'm sorry at comic underscore syndicate on Instagram, but advertising. Yeah. A little bit, man. And it sounds like I'm whoring myself off, but what we're, what we do is the collaboration too, though, is like, you don't want to keep any podcasts down. You know, there are so many in the world now compared to when I started. And I know you're like a hundred and some odd up by now, 158 or so I saw. I'm on a hundred and I think I just put up 115. Okay. Okay. So my numbers are backwards, but it's a, it's a, to do it. You, you, nobody knows the struggle. If you're doing it by yourself, it's even more, not even a struggle. It's a learning curve. And if you don't have good people to talk to, and it's good to talk to people. And I don't want to call it an industry because that sounds very, I don't want to say narcissistic. But it sounds very highbrow, if that makes sense, you know? Well, I've had, uh, if you want to talk about the crookedness of podcasting industry, not even with podcasting, but just podcasters in general, the fact is everybody's looking for a platform to get their stuff out there. And what I mean yeah. by that is, I mean, there's people constantly want to get in on the piece that you are trying to create. And I don't see that as wrong. I just try and tell people like, hey, it's not an interview, it's a conversation. And some woman like, well, not even that she might end up being on the podcast. I don't want to call her out, but like, she said, like, you need a, I've been doing this for 11 years. You need to monetize to a certain group, find a niche audience. I'm like, but there's already so many things in this world that are just for certain people. Why don't I just say it's for everyone? And she's like, what do you, what do you mean by that? I'm like, there's the whole title of out of the blank. It's 
out of the blank. We talk about whatever you want. There's no specific topics. There's no specific requirements to be on my show. It's just talking. I, it's not hard to connect with people. Once you start doing that, we're in a world where everyone's isolated and choose to be comfortable rather than talk to their neighbor anymore. And sadly, I've noticed this at a very young age and I'm doing everything in my possible will to change it. And I'm seeing myself become more knowledgeable through my podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. And you know what? Again, speaking about, you know, it's a conversation piece anyways. Dude, the guest you've had, like, every walks and wake of life. I love the hell out of that. And, and you talk to, geez, professors, and you spoke to, I forgot the one I was listening to. I listened to, like, two today. I'm like, this guy, it sounds cool. And you're giving everyone a chance to speak. And so if you ever want to nerd out with me, pop culture, like, dude, let's take you out of it. Let's talk about, let's just nerd out. What do you watch on Netflix sometime? What do you, you know, comic book, if you're into comics, what's your favorite movie if you ever? Want, if you want to know my Netflix history, let me tell you something. My Netflix history would make the FBI start watching me very, very carefully. Because <laughs> I nothing but comedy specials, cart, like Avengers movies. And then it's like murder, 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 murder documentary. And then it's like comedy, comedy, com murder, comedy. And it's like, why is he watching a murder documentary at three o'clock in the morning? Because I'm fucking interesting it, it is interesting though but yeah it, if you ever want to nerd out with me we have that one i have a second podcast again that was started through the comic syndicate where it's like okay I'm, I'm back to my creative muscles again and it's like let's do another one and let's call this one deep dives and rabbit holes and that one is more uh i don't want to say structure i pull up a topic and go to the root of a topic and that's what i did out. That's what I did in my spinoff. Um, Out of the Blank originally had a base series. God, I hate I hate talking about this. because No, please tell me, dude. I don't know this story. I haven't deep, deep dived you that, that I, far. So I please guess tell me, dude. Like, well, can we, like, why don't you do a podcast on yourself? And my buddies, like when, I, when they come over and try and podcast with me, they're always trying to ask me questions about it. And I'm like, I hate doing any type of interview about myself because I am the last person that needs to be interviewed. I want to focus on everybody else. But yes. Phil, I did one called Fill in the Blank. It focused on specific topics. It probably hit 88 episodes. I still have like 60 on my computer that were saved. But I found my friends liked that a lot more. And the reason why was because you focus on a specific topic for 30 minutes. Like we talked about the boogeyman and mm. it was me and my Hispanic buddy. And we're talking about like, what happens if the boogeyman's just like, some dude living in your closet, but he's there to teach you about the birds and the bees. And then next thing you know, my buddy's like, yeah, imagine he comes out, you're like 13 years old, discovering your body. And then he comes out and then it's me going, look, motherfucker, it's been 15 times. Okay. Other people live here too. Do your hands, have they have hair on them yet? Like joking around like that. And it's, when you do that, you create a vibe. It's about, it's about a comedic effect and laughter, but you're also teaching them. Like I'm reading facts and stories and history stuff about the topic in front of me where I became a exactly media, but I had to make a decision out of the blank to me was more important hearing okay. people's stories over factual stuff. I wanted to hear experiences over myths, folklore and all this stuff, which I still like to dive into, but we have a Dunbar limit, like the number of faces you can remember, the number of yeah. things you can remember. I haven't yeah. hit my limit yet. I became a human encyclopedia. Um, and actually have one of the articles over here. I have a giant binder of stuff I was going to do topic wise, but like I, I figured this was more important because I know what it's like starting my podcast off of a friend that came to me on the brink of like 
major depression about to jump off his roof where I had my formative moments. I was experiencing mm. the same thing, but I found when I talked to him and talked him down from that scene, I realized somebody in my mind that I thought their life was going to be set out wasn't and didn't accomplish what they wanted to accomplish. And he was at my age and he was experiencing the same amount of depression where I knew from the start, I was going to be a piece of shit. I knew from the start, a teacher's telling me I wasn't going to be anything. And only very few teachers ever taken their time into me. My New Year's Day podcast was with my third grade teacher who never gave up on me and saw that I had this energy and peak performance. I just needed a way to be able to get my little ADHD out so I could and, actually pay attention. And, and yeah, that's what it is. It's a weird way of expressionism, dude. Like, and it's a beautiful thing. That's why I say it's therapeutic. A lot of people don't realize how therapeutic it is. Well, people always look at anything with a money aspect to it. It takes a real true person to look at it without trying to focus on views, ads, likes. Like I have had people go, well, how many views your podcast get? I'm like, I don't know. I don't look at that stuff. Like you don't know a number. I'm like, YouTube pops it up every time I upload an image but or upload a video. But I tell you, I ignore it. Like I don't care if it's 20 days. 20 likes down this week. I don't care because you yeah. know what, what I get from this, it's, it is like a passion project. It's awesome to hear these amazing people out in the world today and the feedback I get from it. Fuck. Dude. It, it's amazing. Right. It, I love the feedback though. And that's the weirdest thing. Cause you can talk about whatever it is. And the feedback is, is honestly in itself and our listeners, like, let me put it this way too. Our listeners, our audience, I hate calling them listeners or audience. And the worst thing I'm ever going to call these people that listen and support it are, are fans. It just sounds dirty to me. I always say uh, thank you, friends that listen to the show, because by this point, it's like I don't look at you like a mo like you said, like a monetary thing. Like I'm not going to dime or ask you guys for money. I'm always going to keep this free. And possibly, you know what? Yes, I'm going to start doing my ads again. But it, just don't do it. Like, I'm not looking at it from the money aspect. But I just... You're not whoever listens for a handout. You're looking for anybody that wants to support, they can. It's an option. It's not a choice. It's not it, something you and, have to do. And you know what? Even the Patreon, though, I, I'm, it irks me, dude, because I'm not that guy. No, I'm more like, you know what? I will put a link on amazon if you want to support the show if you're going to purchase anything on amazon click on this banner if you don't have to but literally a penny on the dollar you spend is going to go to send me show. free shit send yeah. me free shit i need more it, shit and everything's going to go back into the show though no but like you know purchase your own stuff but if you spend 10 bucks one dollar is going to go to me and that one penny is going to go back into the show which is i got to keep the lights on too for the show yeah, well, it's, it's, you got to survive too. I think like a lot of people, like I've talked, look, every single podcast I've ever had, everyone that's not been uploaded yet, I don't do them live. I usually hold on to them for a couple of weeks and I try and do Which is many. smart to do, which is smart to do. But I don't do any editing, only on the fact that I give you a couple of days to kind of make sure you're comfortable when the episode goes up. And then when it does go up, I want to know your feedback that day. I want to know if you liked it. And if they say, hey, I did really enjoy it, which is basically every single one. I think I've only had one that was kind of bad, but he was like, keep it up because it showed a side of me, even though I don't like people to see it. I'm like, I didn't mean to pry into any information. I always just 
bring up something like, Hey, is that because of this? And then if you choose to feed in and if you choose to give me the answer, if you don't want to, don't, don't mention it. We don't have to bring it up. There's never nothing not on the table to talk about unless you tell me, like, I'm going to bring up personal stuff in my life. I've got a good comic book story for you. Okay. So I have a fascination with fitness. I've worked out every single day for seven years. I have a little bit of a mental disorder when it comes to body dysmorphia. Now, I was going to the gym. I mean, I, I'm still, I've still got a six pack, but at this point I was like at dangerously low levels of body fat, like 2%, basically a can of tuna was my meal. So it was like oh, strict and I was burning 1600 calories and only consuming 400. So I got down really freaking low. Got oh, geez. Okay. Fasting. And I was like, I was in competition status, which I kept for years, which is very, very hard. You're cold all the time. It's 90 degrees out. You're wearing a heavy jacket. And I talked to a person who's on my fifth episode of my podcast, uh, Chuck Gochner. You might want to listen to that episode because he was a professional bodybuilder. And he started telling me his fascination for being a professional bodybuilder was from superheroes. Awesome, because the okay, that that makes sense. He used to go to the store and pick up comic books, and used to draw the the. He liked to draw superheroes. That was his passion, and he found that he wanted to model himself after a superhero, the ones, the bodies that he was drawing of these people, and he did that, and he became a competitive bodybuilder, and he won a lot of competitions. Hearing that from him puts things into so many different lights. And I tell people, you can take that with anything. Understanding religion, I don't believe in any higher power but i understand the belief of it i understand that uh, that that belief factor i wish i had it but i don't i choose to see what's in front of me and what i can experience and understanding and making my own thing in this world i like uh, my aunt's a spiritualist she does yogi chants and makes wands and stuff and goes onto the beach and meditates and stuff. <laughs> that stuff, I immediately chuckled at too. And then I was like, well, I can't knock it until I've literally tried it. Exactly. Four yeah. o'clock in the morning, meditated on the beach, made my own wand. And let me tell you something. I get it. I tell people it's not about accepting it and making that what you believe in. It's about getting it. It's about understanding. That's all it is. And not even understanding, but just respecting that, even though it's not for me, like find that spark and everyone has that in them, whatever it might be, just find a positive spark. Cause I'm not going to like this podcast, our podcast right now is about encouragement and finding that proper positive spark. There's too much bad and terrible things that are going on in the world in society already and just because it's not for you doesn't mean it's wrong. Just make sure you go about things the right way and you respect other people's cultures, religions, facts, thoughts, ideas, ideals, and, you know, treat people well. And you're right, though, even though I did chuckle about it, it's like, no, I know people like that, too. And I love the hell out of them. But it's like, it's not my thing, but I respect it. So I'm not going to clown on you. But it's like, Everyone knows someone like that in our world right now or in our lives, right? There's always someone that does something they enjoy that's going to be seen as ridiculous. I think the true people that I admire the most in my life are people that choose to not give a fuck. Those people have something about them that is different in their thinking, different in something that where 
I talked to one of my buddies who used to be called like the the fake Slim Shady. Like he was that type <laughs> of guy, but he rapped and he stood up in front of everybody in front of groups and did these motivational things, like just expressing himself where people were making fun of him. And I was trying to help him out. Like, Hey, they're making fun of you. And then he would yell at me. Like, I don't care. Like, I'm like, I get it. And I talked to him and he was like, dude, he goes, you know, I appreciate you and everything you're doing. It's awesome. And I'm like, look, man, you figured it out before I did to truly not give a fuck. I structured yeah. the whole entire past seven years on caring about what else someone thought of me. And I still am fucked up to this day about it. But let me tell you something. When it comes to the way I talk, when it comes to being Robbie, that's all I want anybody to know me for. Don't know me for being good or bad. Know me for being Robbie because that's who I am and that's what I want to be. And that's what it is, though. Like, as long as we're not hurting anyone and we should be ourselves and you're right. You know what? Every person should be fearless. And, and that's what I love. Attack the world in a positive way. If you don't think you can do something, each person. And it's like I mentioned earlier, the whole drive, perseverance, heart, passion that you can't teach people. Like a lot of people. You, you, a lot of people don't know what, what it feels like, though, but you're right. You have to be, it sounds, I'm going to sound way old saying you need to be a go-getter, but like you have to have the mentality. You have to have the balls to sometimes just put your balls on the table and like, you know what? Fuck it. I think if I fail, you need to sit on your balls. You do. You do. Sometimes you need to sit on your balls. That's a, that's <laughs> a fucking realization moment. That, that I do that. And it's always at the weirdest times. Like you don't, you don't know it's ever going to happen. It could not happen for years. And then one day you're getting in your car a little too fast and you sit right on them, you know, <laughs> but that's a funny yeah. way. Like I try and incorporate humor into a type of way that people can understand because it's something you need. Comedians seem to be preachers nowadays because they're, they're complaining about problems, but they're also being relatable. What makes comedy so awesome is that it's relatable too. You want to also feel like you've experienced that. I think a lot of things that people choose to structure themselves on is rapidly rappers and things of famous actors and celebrities that show you what they have. They don't show you how hard it took for them to get that. They show you all these things they have and they make you feel like shit for not having those things. They might not mean to do it intentionally, but they lose the essence of being relatable. You start sticking to the fantasy part of things and that's when you get comfortable. You choose to stay in your section because you think that's not me. It's never going to be me. So I'm not going to take any time in doing it. How do you know if you never take the time to try? Okay, and like you brought up the whole comedian thing right now, though, like, let's look at it this way, too, though. And honestly, I feel comedians have a harder job right now, because granted, it sucks to be in a room full of, let's say, 100 people, and I'm good on, well, I'm, co I'm confident and I'm fearless on the fucking mic, like always. Um, I think I can, I mean, I've spoken to crowds before on a mic, so I'm cool, comfortable doing that. But to put up like a comedy reel and like just to be jokester, no, it was like speeches or something that I had to write and be there and be courageous and fearless. Just, you know, fuck it. You, you got to do it. The weird thing is, though, like I come from the generation of George Carlin. Like that's old school. Hey, uh, hey, in your hey, face. Hey, Eddie hey. Murphy Raw. Hang like, on a second. I have my old school background comes from Eddie Murphy Raw. Harlan, uh, right. Sam Kinison, Joe Rogan. That yes. was yeah. introduced by all that by Joe Rogan. So my comedy game exactly. is far extensive. Okay. Now, now your 
you, like, dude, you're. I wish more fucking kids were like you, honestly, dude, that I could talk to. Because again, you sound like you know what you're talking about. A lot of times now, though, these comedians, half of the shit George Carlin and even Eddie Murphy has said, even fucking Richard fucking Pryor was a fucking dope ass fucking comedian. Yeah, well, I mean, you look, a dick joke's funny, but there's a point to where you're just talking about your dick. No, not even that, though, but the whole, dude, dropping anything that's offensive to anyone. And that's what I'm saying. It's harder to be a comedian because we have so many pussies living in the world where everything is offensive to everyone right now. And the pettiest things, though, dude, like that's what I'm saying. It's... It's a different world than what I grew up with, and I'm glad you're kind of a different breed of a new generation. And I know that sounds odd to say, but honestly, you kind of are. You got to look at it that way. If you have appreciation for those great comedians and they're writing, they're writing their own stuff. And George Carlin was a magician with words, honestly. And George Carlin, yeah, and then Sam Kinison too, like the whole idea that he was a maniac on with words. He all changed when he got hit by a car. He was in a severe mm-hmm. car accident, and then immediately yeah. became this outlandish person. Then eventually, his career kind of went down into a spiral. But it's the same thing. Like you, what you nowadays, it seems it's cheap shot comedy. There are some good ones out there, but it seems like more people are always looking for the quick punchline by highlighting like a dick joke, a relationship joke. Now it seems like comedians are going like a podcast with a few that are stand up comics doing it now and telling them how hard it is. Like most people think comedy, it's it's not easy to do. It takes years. Oh, it does. It does anywhere because no one thinks you can tell or make money off doing jokes. But you know, they talk about like the first thing they have to do when they do a joke now, besides highlight something, is they have to kind of make fun of themselves because it's it's now seen as someone in the crowd's going to say something if you make fun of them. I'm like. You're paying for a comedy show. Mm-hmm. Get the fuck off your phone and enjoy it. And also, yeah. literally, understand you're at a comedy show. Okay, yeah. everything that's said is comedy. If you don't find it funny, you don't need to point out that it wasn't funny. Like, okay, here's here's the thing on that though. Now, you as a youngster. Do you feel it comes from a certain age group compared to another age group in your personal, you know, just third person watching experience? Like, that's just an honest question. I don't think it's the age group because I've seen elderly people say something that's like, hey, that's not that's offensive. You know, that's serious shit. I think it's the fact that people hold on to stuff a little bit and take things a little bit too personally in the world today it doesn't have to be an older generation it doesn't have to be in a younger generation the younger generation seems like you know the new like kids that are coming now and everything of this sort they all seem like they're being so sensitized like taped with bubble wrap from the start and i'm like there's shit how you need how do you feel like that dude or how do you feel about that like again like you're more from that era where we didn't come from a lot of pamper and it was like we could we could smoke i mean granted i wasn't a smoker back then but like cigarettes were okay uh no seatbelts was the generation i grew up in uh back of a truck with nothing and just 
zooming down a fucking highway like that's I the generation that today i don't think it's a generation thing i think that's more of a a, a stupidity factor <laughs> uh, okay and but then again like it kind of made us tough though so we're we got that i don't want to say callous edge to us but the world right now is overly sensitive in in my opinion dude, unless i'm mistaken opinion. it is in my opinion too it's not really an opinion it's an actual fact that the it's a fact dude straight up dude yeah but i also try and fight usually like even though i agree with you i usually try and say from the other side to their point it's the same kind of problems but they're carrying more weight and they're affecting more people than it used to back in the day you know, it, technology has changed. It, things have advanced. Society has advanced. The problems have advanced. They've changed and taken new forms, new shapes. Um, you know, there's there's always you can chalk it up to comics or superheroes, okay, supervillains. There's a there's a supervillain that has it doesn't really have a disguise. He is constantly the supervillain. You know what I mean? Then there's the superhero. Um, shows a, a different side of him a different side he doesn't want people to know that that's him as being superman being batman being this other side this other form and that's what makes them so fascinating to even look into because you could take that same realization the people that are heroes the people that are in this world that are out here to make a benefit to it and actually help others out and truly care are the ones that don't need to be given a name don't need any credit that's due to them the ones is the ones that want you to see them doing something good. So then they get the acceptance and the compliments and the gracious attitude. It's the reason why at my work, I don't wear a name tag. Only because I'll help a guest and they'll be like, thank you so much. Now, what, what's your name? I'm like, my name's Rob. And they're like, okay. But like, there'll be times where I'll, I'll literally be like, uh, help someone at the guest. I'll be like, thank you so much. What's your, why don't you have a name tag? I want to tell the front desk you did a good job. I'm like, you have a wonderful day. And I walk away. See, I, I respect that. And funny story is I actually saw something on Facebook the other day where someone was like mentioning it was someone's birthday and like, thank you for teaching me so much about this and that and that and that. And this happened at my job and the same story you told me. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm not going to be cynical when post on his like. And she also taught you, taught you how to be humble because obviously this is a humble bread. And it's like your route is way better like i get it because i'm the same way like i don't need to know and the flip on that though of the villain aspect is my thing is i'm at for the villain on twitter and i'm a huge villain fan and i like the flip of everything you said because give me a great compelling villain on why well Give that's not dichotomy. fair to say josias because you gotta <laughs> think villains got all the cool shit okay look look this is the most fucked up one but one of my favorite ones is i gotta say magneto if he grew up in the concentration camps why his people got persecuted and got obliterated which is and why this why young why this young kid and once he realizes oh i have these powers now and as a kid he promised himself i'm never going to let this happen to my people again so he finds out he's a fucking mutant you're odd you're different you're strange you must die and not just you everyone is different they're mutants so they need to die too and that promise he, he made he's like i'm not going to let it happen to my people again and that's why he's a villain 
Now, granted, extremists, honestly, uh, Black Panther, Killmonger. You call that same. extremist for Magneto? I think that's kind of understandable. It, it is. It is, though. But, but, but those villain stories are more compelling to me than, like... Well, it's to show you the real shit, you know? It's, yeah. But also, heroes show you the real shit, too, because the factor is it's all about the path that you were given and which road you choose to make of that path. Bruce Lee said it quoted it best. Bruce Lee quoted it best. He said, God gave you this path because you were strong enough to walk it. Now you can choose to let those bad choices, those problems in your life, such as not getting your Starbucks Frappuccino with the double pump of espresso, whatever the hell you want to put in your coffee. You can choose to be that person that doesn't get their drink and piss and just literally piss and shit on everybody's day. Like just being a pain in the ass to everyone and inconvenience, constantly bitching at people for no apparent reason. Or you could say, all right, I'll just take a different drink. And you could choose the other drink and just figure out that that's an immediate problem. That's not a problem that is going to affect you and shouldn't be affecting you later down your life. The problem is if you take two exact kids, twins identical, but separate them, give them one a life of a spoon-filled, you know, rich lifestyle, everything given to him, everything he's ever wanted, millions of dollars, whatever. Then you take another one. And you throw them in the really tough streets, living off the streets, knowing what it's like to be starving. You're going to get still two different roads out of these two separate lives. That one guy that has all the money could learn to donate his money and have a type of thing that impacts him in a way to care about others with his money. Then he could also be a crooked asshole like most of them do turn out to be. Then look at the bad guy. He could choose to go, well, life never gave me a good start. I might as well say roll with it and start immediately shitting on everybody, making everybody else's life worse. Or he could choose to benefit his life and pull himself out of the slums. It's all for people to understand is you have the ability to become who you want to become. But what do you want to become? That's the true answer. And if you're hurting someone to get that, I don't believe you should do it. But And I think that's what scares a lot of people, dude. Like, I agree. I agree. I, ahead, I, I'm, I like where your head's going. I'm scared where everybody is, where everyone's going. I don't like knowing that. Like my cousin told me the other day, he got caught in the rain on his bike and he told me he Ubered home. What? What happened? What? You didn't ride in the rain? No. It was, it was raining out. I couldn't ride in. I had my phone on me. I used, oh, to come chase, on. I used to run to get home to not get hit by a thunderstorm. Those are formative moments. Getting caught in the rain, these types of things you see in romantic old school movies, <laughs> I've lost. The whole factor is you have to become who you need to become. The problems that are in your way are just things that are going to stop you from reaching who you want to become. If you choose to let that roadblock be a roadblock and stay in your way and you're not going to move it, it's never going to move. It's always going to be there. It's a monkey on your fucking back. That monkey and, and never he- goes away, but that monkey gets smaller. Agreed. And people needed to learn to adapt. And okay, well, if this is a roadblock, how am I going to, again, this is something I'm going in through my life, this adversity, this fucking rock, there's always a way to break it down and figure out a way around it to blow it up something and to still be a good person. Oh, shit. Be a good person, positive person. And sincere, compassionate, and just be compassionate towards other people. As long as you're not hurting anyone else around you, you can follow your dreams, your goals, your ambitions, anything you have. And I think more people are losing sight of it too, though, I in a weird way. It's, it's the fact that 
we're we're not getting the connection we need anymore. It really sucks. It it really does. And let me tell you, you know, kind of closing on the whole society factor, like the benefit and everything of this sort. Dude, we're definitely gonna have to do another podcast, man, because we got so much more shit we could be talking about. I want to hop on your show too and help you out in a way. But no, no, likewise, dude. Okay, so Comic Syndicate is the main one. If you want to talk comics, we can talk comics. The second one is, do you like sports? What's your favorite sport? I like luge. Ooh, don't know anything about luge. I'm so no. I'm actually open to all things. I like the football. I just, you know, the whole factor is I don't have a lot like when I'm working when the game's going on so it's hard for me to watch but I heard something like recently got me interested in watching golf the fact that there's been these random things you know to play the ball where it lies yes so the one that just landed in an odd fucking hill yeah you saw that too right I'm a nerd like I understand why people love to actually enjoy that sport now I actually understand golfing more and then I look up like how many times does something like that happen freaking Tiger Woods hit his ball behind a boulder and he got the whole crowd to move the boulder and dude weird shit like that okay like those are the things we do on or that I do on uh deep dives and rabbit holes now the third podcast still on the same feed the comic syndicate dot podbean.com the third podcast is called the audio chronicles i'm on all of these shows and the third podcast is specifically interview based and it's not it's not this fluid of a conversation i ask questions like okay tell me about your life and like you mentioned earlier i'm exactly like you i i'm glad this wasn't about like me talking about myself but like i love interviewing people and i need a story so we're very similar in a lot of ways dude so i'm doing the same thing you're doing in three different ways and working two jobs on top of that well you know what you're a worker and you're putting in the effort to get what you want done you know what i mean i have insomnia and adhd so i'm constantly moving and it's it's the fact of you got to be productive in a world that's seeing less productivity because things are so handed out to us nowadays. And I commend you for that, man, because it does take a toll on your mind sometimes. And it probably sometimes you just want to crash. But at the same time, you're still energized by just the stuff you're able to do and still find your peace in a way. And that's awesome. I wish more people saw it like that. No, well, likewise to you, man, dude, like uh, you come from a different world and the fact that you're doing this and so open-minded and so good and so great with the guests that i've heard mad props and ups to you dude like uh again i wish i had more i wish the world honestly had more kids like you and i don't want to call you a kid but i've got 17 years on you hey i'm Uh, a big boy but only when it comes (laughs) to doing big boy things but when it comes to doctor's appointments my parents can do that shit for me (laughs) well mad ups and mad respects again dude uh so no dude this has been dope